For some people, it's hard to grasp the concept of a heavenly father due to the pain, the absence, or the abuse of an earthly father. I don't know if this was you. This was me. It was hard for me to understand that there was a God in heaven that loved me, that was proud of me, that wanted to be at my games, that always saw me. It was like, he is a good young man, that he is my son in whom I'm well pleased when I had a father who was never proud to see me. It was hard for me to understand that. It was hard for me to believe in a God that, that, that was that good. For others, we have people trying to explain away the legitimacy of Scripture. You've seen it. They're all on social media. They talk about how the Bible is a contradiction, how this doesn't mean that, and how this means that. And they want to trick your generation into believing things that God never said. Sometimes it's just hard to believe. Because people make the mistake of saying this, I've got to see it to believe it. But sight is not an ingredient for faith. You don't need sight to believe in God. You don't have to see in order to have faith in God because for the Christian, for the saint, for the follower of Jesus, faith is simple. In fact, I want to share it with you. You need to remember this verse, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, faith makes us sure of what we see, makes us sure of what we hope for, and gives us proof of what we cannot see. Faith gives us proof of what we cannot see. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says it this way. For we, believers, Christians, saints, followers of Jesus, walk by faith, not by sight. It's important that we understand this. So I want you to write this down. This is the first thing. This is the first blank you need to write down for your notes. We don't see to believe. We believe to see. We don't see to believe, we believe to see. Pastor Will, I don't really understand that. There's some tension in that. You're going to have to explain that. We believe to see what we're praying for. I don't know about you, but I believe to see what I'm praying for. In this season of life, as most of you know, Lindsay and I are expecting, and I'm expecting, I'm, a, I'm praying, I'm believing that God's going to give us a healthy baby, that there are going to be no complications that the labor pains will be minimal. Like, I'm praying. Lindsay's been dealing with, uh, with heat. She's been hot all the time. I've been praying, God, cool her down. Like, send a fan. Like, I've been, I'm, I'm expecting, I'm praying for things I want to see. That also means that I expect to see it. I hope to see it. We don't wait to see God in order to believe in God. I want to encourage you that if you're waiting to see God in your life, you will never believe in him. And it's not that you'll never. It might be hard for you to believe in him because God is the master of being hidden, and he wants us to use that talent for us to discover him. God wants us to pursue him. It's hard to believe when it's hard to see. And I want to encourage you in advance to try to see God and that he is moving in your everyday life. I know you can't see him all the time, but he's there. I know you can't see him right now, but guess what? He's right there. He's right next to you. I know you can't sense him all the time. I know you can't feel him all the time. But in this moment of worship that we shared together, I felt like he was right here in this moment. I, I can't see him, but I can sense him. And I know sometimes you can't. But I don't want you to just have ears to hear what the Lord is saying. I want you to have eyes to see what God is doing. I get it. Sometimes it's hard to believe, but good thing we don't see to believe, we believe to see. In fact, I got some stories for you in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 15 through 17. It's not going to be up on the screen, but I encourage you to go read this. There's this story of this man named Elisha. Somebody say Elisha. Elisha the prophet. 
has his servant with him, and they're, about, they're at war, they're at battle. And this story picks up right here. I'm going to share it with you. It says, when the servant of the man of God, Elisha, got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. They were everywhere. <laughs> Could you imagine we walk outside of this room and there are horses and chariots? Matter of fact, let's make it contextual to our current day. There were cop cars everywhere, like all around this building. Guns drawn, except they had bows and arrows. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't anything weird like that. So horses and chariots are surrounding them. The servant says, oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Elisha said, don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. What was Elisha looking at? Clearly, he had to see the same thing that the servant saw. Elisha says, man, hey, bro. We got more bodies than they got. Like, we're good. We're going to be okay. And this is where the story gets interesting. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. There were more people around what was surrounding him. We got to see differently. In fact, let me ask you this question, because what I love about this story with Elisha is that in order for him to get in order for him to get the servant to see what he had saw, he had to pray. What do you do when you pray? That's the question I want to ask you. Close your eyes. Right. Most people, when they pray, they close their eyes, they bow their head and. What does this mean? I think this is what you can pull from this story. Sometimes you have to close your eyes to see. Sometimes you got to close your eyes to see what God is doing. Pastor Will, if I close my eyes, I can't see. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. This isn't to trick you. This isn't to mess you up. I want to ask you, what do you see when you close your eyes? 1 Samuel 17, this is the story of David and Goliath. Very, very popular story. David, this young man oftentimes representing the younger generation, just like some of you. And David, he was tending to sheep where this story picks up. And his dad, he's like, hey, man, your brothers are out at war. Go deliver some cheese and crackers. This is literally what, this is the story. First Samuel 17, go read it. His dad's like, hey, go check on my boys. Make sure they ain't die. You know, I'm, I'm trying to make sure we can keep this last name going. So he, David goes out to the battle. He's checking on his brothers. He shows up and there's this giant. What was his name? What was the giant's name? Goliath. Yeah, come on, man. Do y'all read your Bible? You should read it. <laughs> it, it described this giant. It didn't even call him a giant. It actually calls him a champion. Champion meaning he never lost. So Goliath is out. He's, at, he's, at the, uh, he's in the ranks of the, the Philistines, and he comes out of his ranks, and he was a big man. Some translations say he was nine feet. Some translations say he was ten feet. Don't matter if he was nine feet or ten feet. He was big feet. Like, this was a lot. <laughs> So he comes out of the, the ranks, and he defies the ranks of Israel. He does this usual, usual taunt. He's saying these things. And here's what's interesting in the story that I want you to focus on, that David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. And then they asked this question, have you seen the giant? We were talking about what you see. What I think is important is that David didn't see a giant. He saw a target. David didn't think he was too big to fight. David said he's too big to miss. The Israelite army sitting there was like, oh, my gosh. 
man, he, he is large. He got some big forearms. David was like, oh, my gosh. He got a big forehead. Like, he was like, I'm about to take this dude out. Let me get about five of these, these smooth stones. We don't see to believe. We believe to see. I want to ask you tonight, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? I know it's hard to believe, but it's only hard to believe because it's hard to see. What are you looking at? I know it's hard to see past the relationship. But when you believe, you see differently. I know some of you, you thought in this moment, it was like, I can never see myself without them, Pastor Will. I thought they were the love of my life. I was going to marry them. We were going to be together five ever because I really, really love. I don't know why people think this sometimes. You guys get in high school and you're ready to risk it all, your entire future, for one person. And they don't even know what they're going to make in math class. Like, it's insane to me. But we get to these places and what happens is you don't see the breakup as a breakdown but as a blessing because then you realize you thought you couldn't see yourself without them. But then you started to see God was with me all along. And God wasn't just protecting me. He wasn't just preserving me. He wasn't helping me keep my, my uh, purity, maintain my identity. He was helping you realize you got to see differently. Let me give you another example. When you believe in God, you don't see closed doors. You see wrong doors. So that every door that, that closes, you go, thank you, God. That must not be the place you wanted me to go to. That must not be the room that you want me to be in. And what happens is when you see differently, when the right door opens, you will thank God that he closed every other door. You got to see differently. Somebody say believe. So I urge you, I challenge you, don't wait to see God in order to believe in God. Decide in advance that he's real, that he's relevant that he really wants to, in this moment, right now, he's ready to move in your life. And I believe if you do, you will leave here and you will see God. That you will see how in your everyday life, God is protecting you. Students who drive, he is protecting you. How he's keeping you from the wrong environments. How he's not, you don't just have ad blockers on your computer. He's protecting your eyes from seeing things you shouldn't see or saying things you shouldn't say. I want you to see God in your everyday life because there are some things you can only see when you set your eyes on Jesus. John chapter 20 verse 29 says, Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Some of you, I'm not denying that you hadn't had a personal encounter with Jesus, but blessed are us who have believed and we didn't see Jesus in person. We haven't seen him on the earth. You may have felt him. You may know that he's in your heart and he lives in your life, but we didn't see him like the disciples see, saw him. Blessed are you. We don't see to believe. We believe to see. They're, the only thing more convincing than our eyes, though, is our lies. The only thing more convincing than our eyes is our lies. Pastor Will, what do you mean by this? If you need to see it to believe it, that's not faith. Faith sees it before you see it. Pastor Will, what, what are you saying? I'll say it this way. Faith, believing isn't faith in something. It's faith in someone. Too many of, too many of us, we have faith in the wrong things. Right now, everybody in this room has faith. You have faith that that chair ain't going to fall. Like, you got faith right now. You sat down knowing in your heart of hearts, this chair better hold me up. Like, you have faith in it. You wouldn't have sat in it if you didn't trust it. You get in your car. Those of you that have vehicles or you use your parents' car, you turn that key in faith that it's going to crank. 
Some of you are going to go to sleep tonight knowing, believing in your heart that you're going to wake up tomorrow. This believing, believing isn't faith in something, it's faith in someone. May I suggest that you have faith in the fact that God is going to give you your breath tomorrow morning. That he's going to protect you as you leave this place. I want to ask you tonight, do you believe? This is the question being posed to you and I. And if we're being honest, sometimes we look at that question and based on what season of life we're currently in, some of you, your honest answer is maybe. Pastor Will, I, I, I want to. I, I, wanna, I really want to believe, but I don't, I don't know if I believe in this moment. If we're going to be honest, believing is hard, isn't it? It sounds easy on the surface, but anyone who has ever tried believing know they know that, it, that it's hard. For example, I want to believe that LeBron is going to win another ring before he retires. I want to believe that in my heart. I got a better belief for you. I want to believe that the Georgia Bulldogs are going to three-peat this year. I want to believe. For some of you, are like, I'm believing for War Eagle. Like, ah. <laughs> it's hard to believe. Believing sounds easy, but anyone that has ever tried knows that it's hard because when you add experiences, when life doesn't play out the way you planned and years of believing go by, some of you know this, and people would tell you this, like last week, I had them go around, I had the leaders go around and tell you it's worth it, it's worth it, it's worth it. Those that believe, know it. Get, know, they know it's hard because they'll tell you believing is exhausting. Some of you, you've been believing for something for so long and it hasn't happened yet, you're tired of believing. You're tired. I'm tired of getting my hopes up, Pastor Will, only to have my hope, only to be let down. I'm exhausted. Now, it's not just hard to believe. You're tired of believing. And let's just, let's just be honest. Let's just be real. Our human nature, it's hard to believe, but it's easy to ignore. It's so easy to ignore the thing that you should be doing. For example, when it's hard to believe... It's easy to ignore the importance of church. I got one. It's hard, it, when it's hard to believe, it's easy to ignore the importance of friendships. When it's hard to believe, it's easy to ignore the phone. I don't need anybody. I'll just isolate myself. I don't believe in anybody. Nobody believes in me. Woe is me. It, when it's hard to believe, it's easy to ignore. I hear so many people say this. I'll never believe in God until I see God. I'll never believe in miracles until I experience one. I think what's even scarier is this thought. Most people don't believe in miracles until they need one. It's hard to believe, but it's easy to ignore. It's hard to believe when, you fo when your focus is on everything around you that you ignore God because you're too busy to look at anything else. What are you looking at? It's easier to ignore the fact that you need God than it is to humble yourself and ask for help. We have believed the lie that it's easier to ignore God, and I want to tell you right now that you can't. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. You cannot ignore him. Somebody say believe. It's hard to believe when it's easy to ignore. Watch this. It's hard to believe when it's easier to assume. It's hard to believe the best when you already made up in your mind you assume the worst. 
I don't want to believe the best in everybody else. I already, assumed, I already assumed the worst in all the people. Nobody's ever done me right. I expect everybody to let me down. If my dad hurt me, my friends will hurt me. If my mom hurt me, these people will hurt me. It's easy to expect the worst, to assume the worst. We start looking for the worst. You start anticipating the worst. We look for bad things to happen, and we go from going through a lot to carrying a lot. And when you assume the worst, you don't just experience pain, but you establish a pattern. Some of you are walking around in a pattern that is destructive. And your life is weighty and it's heavy. And there's some of you, I go up to you, I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? I'm glad you're here tonight. And you're too tired to even lift up your head. It's hard to believe when it's easy to assume. Because when you get hurt, it's no longer a surprise when you do when you expect the worst. You create a sick cycle of expecting pain and regret, and the experience of being hurt eventually evolves into the expectation of getting hurt. So you isolate yourself thinking you're protecting yourself because when you get hurt enough, like I said, it's no longer a surprise. It's crazy how things that happened in your past keep showing up in your present. It's crazy to me. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a relationship. You've been dealing with being exposed to it when you were 9 or 10 years old, and it's hard to believe that you can be free because it's easier to assume that you will always be bound. It's hard to believe that you're going to come in. It's hard to believe for you to come to church and believe for God to touch your life, and then you assume when you go back into your bedroom that you're going to experience the same hell that you lived in before you got in this moment. Listen, even those that were close to Jesus had a hard time believing Jesus. John chapter 20, verse 1 through 2, early on Sunday morning while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. She assumes that Jesus' body has been taken. She assumes the worst. She forgot what Jesus said that he would rise again. So she automatically assumes somebody has taken his body, which caused her to ignore the truth that Jesus said in John chapter 11 that we read earlier. Jesus told Martha, her sister, told her sister this, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. He then said to Martha, do you believe this? Martha said yes. What Martha said yes to, Mary was finding hard to believe. She forgot what Jesus said. She forgot what Jesus did for her brother. We just read it, John 11. Lazarus gets out of the tomb. He says, Lazarus, come out. He shows up. He pops up out of the tomb. They said he was thinking. He probably was. He was dead in there for four days. He comes out. He pops out. He's like, hey, man, I'm here. I'm hungry. Give me some food. That's not what it says, but I assume he's been starving. But he shows up. He walks on the scene. She forgets this whole moment. But isn't that just like us? Isn't it interesting that those who have been with Jesus the most can be the same ones who believe in him the least? Isn't it crazy that those who come to church the most are the ones who oftentimes have the hardest time believing? It's crazy to me. Why don't we believe the best? Why do we assume the worst? John chapter 20, verse 8. Then the disciples who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. But what did he believe? He believed the same thing Mary said. 
He was like, man, clearly they, they took him. It reveals, it says, for until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they just went home. That means they walked into the tomb. They saw that it was empty. They saw folded clothes. And then they were like, oh, well, I guess they took his body and they went home. They just went back home. It's hard to believe because sometimes, here's, here's a real honest one, it's easy to leave. For some of you, it's hard to believe because it's easy for you to leave a church. Because I heard it said this way, inconsistent parents produce insecure children. Pastor Will, what does that mean? Because your parent is inconsistent in your life, there is no consistency in your life. It's not, only hard, it's not only easy for you to leave churches, it's easy for you to leave relationships. That's why some of you are real good at dating, supposedly. And you jump from relationship to relationship. You jump from friend group to friend group. It's hard to believe, but it's easy to leave. It's easy to be like, man, this faith thing is hard. I just give up. I throw up my hands. You know, I just, I don't want anything to do with this anymore. It's, e- it's easy to just feel like you want to throw in the towel. To be a saint, to be a follower of Jesus is hard. Verse 11 through 16, chapter 20, Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white, white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been laying. The angel said, dear woman, why are you crying? The angel asked her, because they have taken away my Lord. She replied, and I don't know where they've put him. Do you see the similarities in the story? Jesus asked the same question of Lazarus, where'd you put him? Mary is around two angels. How come she didn't know they were angels? Well, if you go read John chapter 20, verse 1, it says it was dark. She couldn't see. She is talking to heavenly hosts about Jesus and doesn't even realize it. She says, they've taken his body. I don't know where they put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Then Jesus says, dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you put him, and I will go and get him. And then Jesus said, Mary. She turned around and cried and said, teacher. I encourage you to go back and read John chapter 11 because it's the same exact words. When Martha was with Jesus, Mary didn't want to come out of the house. They both said the same thing in the story. One, if you'll go ahead and come up. They both said the same thing in the story. It was actually pretty interesting. This is why it was cool. This is why it was interesting. When, Mar- when Jesus found out that Lazarus died, he could have got there on time, but he decided to wait. Go read your Bible. He decided to wait where he was two more days. When Jesus finally shows up, it says Martha runs to him. And Jesus is walking. Now, I don't know about you, but if you had somebody close to you in a near-death experience and you saw Jesus walking, I promise you, in your pain, you would be mad too. She runs to Jesus, and Martha says, man, if you were there, my brother still be alive. He'd he still be here right now. Jesus says, go and get Mary. Martha runs into the house to go get Mary. Mary, Martha says these words to Mary. She says, the teacher is looking for you. Pastor Will, why do you bring this up? Why is this important? Because Mary was crying. 
she was sad. She didn't even recognize Jesus. But what I love about this is that he always finds us at our worst. He finds you at your lowest point. He always finds you right where you're ready to give up. He shows up, Mary. It's hard to believe when it's hard to see because when all, it's hard to believe when it's hard to see when all you see is your problems in life. She didn't see the promise. She saw they took his body. And I just want to see my Savior. When all you feel is the weight of life, it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe and it's easy to leave when all you want to do is close this part of pain in your life. I want you to write this down. It's hard to believe, but it's easy to receive. Pastor Will, what do you mean? It's, it's hard to believe, but it's easy to receive. In fact, I'll tell you why. In the climax of the story, at the close of this moment, what really convinces people to believe is not an argument. It's not good preaching. It's not a sermon. It's not a sermon series. It's not church attendance. It's not a church service. What convinces you that Jesus is alive is an encounter with the living God. Mary was in the tomb. Could you imagine we all get into the tomb? Right now, we teleport it right into the tomb. We're there. It's empty. Mary is in the presence of the greatest part of our gospel message because without the resurrection, there is no good news. She is in the room in the moment in which early Sunday morning, that means he must have just got out of the grave. She's in the presence of the miracle, maybe missed it by moments because it said it was early in the morning while it was still dark. She's there and she says, they took him. In the middle of the moment, Her eyes could have played a trick on her. But what convinces people of Jesus is an encounter with Jesus. It wasn't the empty tomb. The empty tomb, the empty tomb wasn't enough. It wasn't the angels in the tomb. The angels weren't enough. It was only when Jesus said, Mary. You know, I personally believe tonight, if you would indulge me, I just believe the Holy Spirit just might, he might be saying your name. Because there's no greater moment in the gospel message that when Jesus calls you by name. That when he grips your heart. Ephesians 2.8, you were saved by faith in God who treats us much better than we deserve. This is God's gift to you and not anything you've done on your own. It's hard to believe, but it's easy to receive. Matthew 21.22, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Mary said this to Jesus. Martha and Mary had this conversation. She said, I know my brother will be raised on the last day. I know that God will do whatever I ask. Go read the story. When I talk to people about what changed their life, they never say the preaching. They never say the preaching. You don't have to introduce people to the message of Jesus when you're trying to win them to Jesus. All you got to do is tell them your story. You don't have to preach. You don't have to be biblically articulate to be able to tell somebody about how real Jesus is. All you got to tell them is, I had an encounter. I'm telling you right now in this moment, I met him. I, I met him. You know, it would be cool if you went home and your parents like, what would you learn tonight? I met Jesus. 
You know, it would be even cooler if you went to school tomorrow and you were going around your friends and they were like, man, you got a little glow to you, something a little different. You done glowed up overnight. Like, what happened? You're like, man, I met Jesus. I met, I met the God of the universe. I met the only one that could change your life. And what happens is when new Christians, when I meet people who didn't grow up in church, who didn't believe in Jesus, because I was one of them. I remember I didn't have the language to tell people when I was in services like these. I was like, man, there was something, there was something about worship. Like, I don't, I don't know how to f- explain it. I just, I felt something. What I love now is I have language for it. And I tell them, I was like, it wasn't something, it was someone. It was the presence of God. Somebody say believe. What changed your life, what will change your life is the presence of God. Maybe you were 12 years old in your bedroom when Jesus first made himself real to you. Maybe you were young. Maybe you were eight, six, seven, eight. For some of you, maybe it was at youth camp. God arrested your heart and he made himself real to you. Maybe someone you knew or maybe you, you were in a car accident and you made it out and you shouldn't have made it out. Maybe, maybe it was a worship song that finally became real one day. You just heard it, and the lyrics just made sense. For others of you, you grew up in church, and you cannot remember a time in your life where you did not believe in Jesus. But either way, there may be a season where it's hard to believe, but it's easy to receive. Why? Because you cannot earn this. You don't deserve it. Jesus is literally saying, this is a free gift. And the beautiful thing about these moments is they're not just one-time encounters. Not just one time. He wants to show up over and over. Lastly, it may be hard to believe in God, but it's easy for him to love you. It may be hard for you to believe in God, but it's easy for him to love you. Pastor Will, you don't know what I did. I know, but I know it's easy for him to love you. Pastor Will, how do you know? Because I know in the Bible it says that nothing can separate you from the love of God, not, not, nor height, nor depth. Nor, nor angels, nor demons, nor principalities, nor rulers. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. He will chase you down. I want to invite everybody, if you don't mind, if you'll stand on your feet. There's no greater example of, a supernatural, of the supernatural than a changed life. That when a resurrected, reborn, and repented person gives their life to Jesus... It may be hard to believe in Jesus, but it's easy if they see Jesus in you. I know what we believe. It's, it's weird. Jada, it's weird. Matter of fact, let's practice. Y'all just practice right now. Just say, it's weird. It's weird. It's strange. It's abnormal. <laughs> Let me explain why. We believe that God birthed God through a virgin. <laughs> Y'all, we believe that. I'm like, Wait, what? We do? Yes, read your Bible. Guys, come on. I was telling Peyton this. We believe that millions of Israelites walked through a sea on dry land, not mud. And then God, in his goodness, swallowed up the Egyptians who were the modern day, like, whatever, warriors of that time. And they didn't kill not one of them. 
Bro, we believe people, we believe walls fall down by shouting at them. What? Here's one. We believe will, ill will. We believe that Peter walked on water. Because Jesus, he defied the laws of buoyancy. He walked on what other people drown in. Like, this makes no sense. I know, listen, this is my point. I know what we believe is hard to believe. It may be hard to believe in Jesus, but it's easy to believe if they see Jesus in you. I can't win your school. I can't. I can't win your friends. I can't guarantee if they come to church that they're going to show up next week, they're going to show up Sunday. I can't guarantee you that I'll never offend you, that I won't hurt your feelings. It's not my heart. It's not my intention, but I can't guarantee it. I guarantee you this, though. You will see Jesus in my life. I promise you that. Some of the people that are closest to me, James, Juan, JT, they will tell you I give them up close and personal access to my life. I've been given paid and access to my life. I promise you, I'm not saying that to glorify myself. I'm saying that because I want my life to look nothing more, nothing better. I want people, when they see me, they see through me and they see Jesus. Can the same thing be said about you? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Romans 10, 9. So you will be saved if you honestly say Jesus is Lord. And if you believe with all your heart that God raised him from the dead, God will accept you and save you if you truly believe this and tell it to others. Belief in your heart is one thing. But there's another part of the verse where you got to tell others. And here's, here's some more of John chapter 10, verse 17. No one can have faith without hearing the message about Jesus. Your family, your friends, your siblings, they cannot believe if you do not tell them the message. And Christianity is not just faith in Jesus, in Jesus' life after death. It's an invitation to life before death. I want to invite you to life. Let me pray over you. Father, I pray that you would give us the kind of faith to believe what we can't see. Because every time we open our eyes, all we see is the enemy and his attacks and distractions. But as we close our eyes in, prayers tonight, in prayer tonight, would you allow us to see in faith that you are still on the throne? That you still sit over the earth. That nothing happens without your permission. That you're protecting us and keeping us and leading us and guiding us. Let us see what is hard to believe.